Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. What's going on, Philly? What's up? Another edition of Drunk on Broad, a.k.a. Drunk on Opening Day. Your boys, all three what's, of us. What's going on? Today. It's a good day. We're cracking beers. It's a, ve- it's a very good day. I can't. Dude, what a game. What a game we had. Absolutely. What a great way to, what, a, like, what an insane way to start the season. Like, what a great way to have – that play for uh, <laughs> in in extra innings, where that to me is the reason why you pay JT. That yeah. play, right there. Yes, yeah. Nick. I know you're. I know you're dying to weigh in with your with your catcherness, with your catcherness. So I mean, hey, I blocked I will, that in slow pitch softball. I, I will. I will give Quinn credit because even though he doesn't have a great arm, the, the most important thing when you have a catcher like JT back there, you just got to give him a chance at the play, right? So he came in, he got it out quick, he put it on the on the plate. Now, I watched it on replay in slow motion. JT had perfect – you know, they changed the rules, right? You can't just go and just, just destroy a guy going in the home plate, right? right? Which is smart. It's smart, right? There's still enough yeah. contact there. He had his foot blocking the plate, which is what you do. You put on the front corner so the guy has to go – Go wider, which is a harder slide. You're covering more more plate, and then the ball takes you into the path. And what you do is exactly what he did. You you sell it, but you also exaggerate it, and you get away with it because of the rules where the ball can bring you into the path. So you get low and you get wide, and you basically say you got to literally go through me to get to the plate. And Ozzy Albies is not going through that man, bro. Bro, that throw though, Roman Quinn put. All 165 pounds <laughs> on him from 210 feet away. He put it on the, he put it on the, on the yeah. I was, dude, I was in there. My dad was over. He was uh, in the kitchen. Ollie was behind me. And they're like, oh, it's a shallow fly ball to center. Roman Quinn's under it. Ozzy Albies is tagging. He comes up and throws. I'm like, yeah! Ollie's like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but no, it's good. And Jamie's like, show him. Show him what he did. Show him what he did. I'm like, all right, come here, bud. Put him in my lap, and I'm like, all right, watch this. But now watch JT. Watch. He's standing in front of the plate, yep. and he catches the ball, blocks the plate. Boom. Got him. I'm like, perfect play. Because, like, as you both said, you can't block the plate anymore. So he no. was perfect. It was perfect position for him to catch the ball and JT just to drop to the leg and make the tag. Oh, my God. It was so good. You can, I mean, you can it, block it, the plate if you do it the way he did, right? Like you can't stand blocks. Yeah, you, can't. Right. you have to. You have to be like I'm set in front of the plate, and then you're like, he knew that ball was going to take him into that path, so he's like, oh, now I can block the plate. It's smart, but that's how you play the game. Done. Right. I mean that that is like, like talk about like player acuity and like knowing what the rules are in the moment 
but being able to, to instantly take advantage of that, you're able to, I mean, again, that's why you pay that dude so no. much money. I know. He, he is the difference between what, again, what that pitching staff could be. And, but, but to make plays like that, that are going to save the game and the extra inning that give your team the opportunity to go in the top of the, you know, in the bottom of the 10th and be able to, you know, to get that win. Um, I also, I love how like that, that whole exchange between uh, Alvarado when he had, when they get the bases loaded yeah, and how he handles that, like there, there was no, like, like nobody was heightened. Nobody was no. like jazz. Nobody was all over the place. Even, even though Alvarado was a little wild, hits a guy, like loads of bases in your life. And yeah. like, that's what we, we talked you know, about. That, that's what we talked about yeah. last week. Yeah. But, but you also have a catcher who knows, all right, this is what this guy is. I'm, yeah. But that to me, again, could be the difference in, you know, five, like historically, what did we say last week? They, they blew how many games last year? 20 games. 20, 20, games. Out, 20 out of 60. And their bullpen bailed them out. 3.1 innings of shutout baseball. Right. Three there, 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 there is – if there is a recipe for this team to be successful, I think today in a small microcosm was it. I was, it was you, beautiful. And yeah. you, look at, you look at the way – Nola was very methodical. Me, we, we all said – we said this uh, earlier in the group chat. Nick, you, you text me yeah. and you are saying the same thing. One pitch, one bad pitch to Pablo Sandoval. Right. Other than that, the execution, the movement, that fucking cutter – the cutter that he's developed, yeah, dirty. That changeup. I if I'm all right. If I'm facing Aaron Nola, I don't want to see it. I'm going to be first pitch swinging. If I'm going to get a fastball, I don't oh, want to yeah. see the changeup. I don't want to see that Kurt. Like his stuff looked so electric, and you saw Max Fried having problems with his breaking ball. You saw yeah. that. he had had trouble with the grip. It was a little cold. Little fa- little fingers are probably you know couldn't couldn't feel him a little bit. Little bit couldn't feel. But then you have Nola, who's just out there, and he's a pro. He's like, yo, I'm just going to yeah. go out there. I'm going to deal. I mean, his, his strikeouts were, I think, what do you have, six strikeouts? I not, think so. So not, not that many, which is completely fine because his pitch count was relatively low. He had that one bad pitch to Pablo Sandoval. But, Nick, what did you see that you liked out of Aaron Nola today? So you know what you're going to get with Nola, right? He's going to compete. He's going to pitch well. He, he, he's not going to go into a game where you're, you're never going to see a game where he walks four or five guys. He's hitting people. That's just not him. He's always been – you look back at his college days, that's the reason why he was a number one – he was a first-round pick, and that's why they said that he's one of those guys that – you know, those guys that get drafted late in your team in the playoffs, they come up and they help you because he knows how to throw strikes, he knows how to pitch. He has he has good stuff. I'm not going to say he doesn't have good stuff, but he doesn't – you know, he doesn't have Garrett Cole stuff, Jacob DeGrom stuff. But what he does is he throws 94-95. He's got a different arm slot than a lot of pitchers. So what that does is that 93 fastball that he throws looks like you're going to – Looks like you're, it's coming down the middle. You go to swing, and then it cuts in on your hands. And it's like you can. I feel like he's one of those guys you can never hit anything really square and solid, which is which is what you want. I yeah. mean, and he he just knows how to pitch, right? He's like he knows he knows the stuff that he has. He knows what he can get away with, what he can't get away with. Um, and you you saw that bad pitch. It wasn't really a bad pitch. It was a bad pitch in a spot because yeah, he missed the spot. He missed the spot. He was supposed to be low and outside, and he pulled it and came right down the middle. It didn't move. 
and Sandoval was just sitting on it. That, that's what it was, and I'm sure he'll tell you the same thing because the whole game, his pitch count was low the whole game because he gets people out. He doesn't throw a lot of balls. That's what you need your your day one course to do. That's it. He did exactly what he's supposed to do. Agreed. Don, think, well, you, like, you, you, saw, you, saw, he, you saw a professional pitcher today. Yeah. Like you, he, he went in, like, like you said, he doesn't have number one, top of the rotation, Garrett Cole, you know, Kurt, like Kershaw kind of stuff. But yeah. what he does do is he's consistent. He's methodical. The movement today, like you were saying, like was sick. It was ridiculous. Like he had some some really oh, good movement. Um, and it, you know, his last outing in in spring training was good. So I think you had a good sense of what you were going to see coming out of spring training. Um, you know, I, I love if we can get this kind of production out of him. You know, obviously you're not going to see that all year long. You're going to see bumps in a row, but I think what you are going to see is that. You're never you're going to see that even keel. You're never going to. He's never going to get too high. Never going to get too low. Yeah, reminds me a lot of Halliday and how Halliday used to carry himself. Just very professional, very methodical. Yeah. Doesn't um, much, but you know, is honored. Like they 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 showed like his clip on uh, or just his segment of what he said when it was his fourth opening day, and he's like, "I'm just honored." He's like, "Dude, it's it's an honor." He's like, "But I'm I'm also not looking at this start. I'm looking at my next start." Like, can I continue this? I want to put us in situations where we win. And as he said, he's like, in the beginning of the season, all we had to do was win one more game. So if we would have won one more game, we would, we would have been in it. We, we, we would have been there. We would have been in it. So I love the fact that Aaron Noll is such a professional that he's looking forward to his next start. Like, he doesn't overlook his opponents because the Braves have a, a great lineup, but we're, we're talking about the fightings here. The fightings. Sad. Sad. It's I'm, just, surprised, <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't open up with the with the clip. I was going to, but it was circulated all day today through uh, <laughs> Philly. I saw him like, oh, this is great. I'm like, that's my uncle. That's my uncle. Nick tags it. Is that your uncle? Yeah, that's his uncle, yeah. That's my oh, uncle. no shit. <laughs> yeah, so, I, so I text my cousin. I'm like, yo, dude, your dad. I text Jackie. I was like, yo, dude, your dad finally made it on Barstool Philly. And he's like, it's about damn time. I'm like, I need to get you on. Need to interview the said guy's son. And he's like, ah, I don't know if I can do that. I'm like, beer's helping. Beer's helping. Beer's helping. But <laughs> yeah. just looking back on today, I was just, I was so happy with the way the lineup was. Um, that play that Didi made with the wind. Oh, right. That's a hard play. Under You don't understand how hard to play that is. It's a hard play without the wind. Right. Without the wind. Dude, I love Didi. There's so many people on this team that I really do enjoy watching. Hoskins played a great first base. Segura, the clutch hit. I love that at the end of the game. I actually do enjoy having the runner start on second base because it kind of keeps the game moving. I didn't I this is the first time like saying that because they didn't do that last year, right? This is the first time it was I think they I think, I think last year was the first year they did it, but it didn't happen a lot. Yeah, yeah so last, last year was a they they did have it in place last year. They tried a lot of stuff last year. They tried COVID a lot of stuff. COVID got me down. I don't, yeah. I don't remember much of that. But uh no nah, man, I mean I'm just Super happy. Archie Bradley came in, shut the door in that uh, in that sixth inning. Then, like you said, Alvarez, we knew what we were going to get from him. But that hundred mile an hour uh, fastball low on his knees. It's a splitter. It's a splitter. Yeah, it makes sense. Woo! 
He throws, oh, he throws like the thing is, is you saw, like, I watched his first, I watched him. I was like, all right, let's see what kind of game this guy's going to have today. Freeman comes up, you know, Alvarado knows Freeman, he doesn't want to give him anything. Freeman can hit 100 miles an hour, not seeing it and hit it out. That's what he does. So he, you know, I see these a little wild, but I'm like, you know what? Maybe it was just effectively wild there, like trying to get a feel for his stuff. Yeah. Then Osuna comes up, and um, I see that the first two pitches were balls. And I'm like, and then JT came out, calmed them down, was like, hey, this is what we're going to do. You can see as a catcher, that's what you do. You just tell him, like, listen, right. I know you're going to get this guy out. This is what we're going to do. And then he throws, like, I-, I can't even explain this dude's stuff. It's just ridiculous. He threw that, like, when he had the two strikes, he threw the slider, and Asuna looked like T-Rex. And he pulled his arms in, and he just looked so bad. And I was like, all right, this dude, like, his stuff. But he's one of those guys that he's wild enough where you can't take a off because then the, the time you're like, oh, he's going to throw. If it's, you know, three and two, you're like, all right, he's just going to – I don't trust him to throw a heater. And then he'll throw a heater right down the middle, and you'll look stupid. Right. But it'll be 101. Yeah. And you'll be like, right. oh, man, like this guy's stuff's nasty. But – so, did you see the one stat last year? I think they showed the average bullpen velocity last year compared to this year. No, I didn't see it. No. So, they posted the Phillies' average bullpen velocity last year was about, I think, was like 92.25, which oh, yeah. Reggie oh, McLean throws a solid yeah. 70 miles an hour. Him and Ranger Suarez both throwing top, top, I hit, uh, I, I said, Joe, well, Joe, Joe Romero. Oh. It was about, I think I said it was 22nd or 20, it was 22nd to MLB last year. And they said, they said, not even account if they just take uh, the guys that they added, Coonrod, Alvarado, Brogdon. Uh, Bradley, um, Brogdon. You add those guys in there, and they look at the velocity. They said would have been an average velocity like ninety four point nine, which would be right now would be first in the MLB. That's crazy. So because Coonrod average heater is like ninety seven five, yeah. Alvarado is like ninety six eight. Like Brog- Brogdon, I like I like Connor Brogdon a lot. Who's throwing shit? He's, well, he's got, got really. lanky. He's got weird. He's got a weird arm slot. Yeah, he's got that weird lanky arm. I think the goal for for the goal they should strive for is to you know let him pitch in big spots and you know get confident and eventually hopefully next year he's probably the closer. That's what I would want anyway. Right. Because you know what Nears is going to get. He's got a good out pitch, but the thing is, is everybody knows the fucking out pitch is coming. Right. Yeah. They know it's coming. Splitter. It's predictable. Splitter. And, and Alvarado. Alvarado would be a great closer, but he's just too. He throws too many balls. You know what I mean? He's so just, like, just a, yeah. Brogdon has a really Brogdon has a really heavy change. He throws ninety six. He can get it to ninety. You know what I mean? So that'd be the goal, I think. But just the bullpen, I was just like, okay, last year we would have lost that game seven to two at least. Oh yeah, right. Uh, they would have had a meltdown. It would have been terrible. There would, there would have been a meltdown in the seventh. You would have given yeah. up that 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 bases loaded situation would have turned into like five runs. But I think what you're seeing is. The the like complete difference between the analytical side and the baseball side. Like yeah. you're seeing you're seeing the effects of what Dombrowski comes in and looks at and goes, "Who are these clowns that we got in the bullpen? I'm just going to go out and get a bunch of guys who can throw heat yeah. and who have solid baseball stuff." And you get guys like Brockton, you get guys like Alvarado who have great movement on their pitches. Are 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 they the top of the top? No but they're guys who are going to come in and be professional and they're going to yeah. get, they're going to get, they're going to come in, they're going to do, do their job. And then they're going to go, they're going to let the next guy come in. I think I, I like now, like I, I was kind of dead set on Archie Bradley going in as a closer. I, as, but, as, was I, but, as was I, but, but now seeing him in this role, 
I, I, I like, I like what I've, uh, I see one game, but I like, I like what he looked like what I saw today. I like what I saw in that role with him coming out of the bullpen, being a stopgap. If you can get him to be the guy that comes right out of the pen after the starter to kind of bridge you to yeah. the back of your bullpen. I think that's a great, that's a great spot to be in. Yeah. I mean, it's a good role for him, uh, him being a closer. He's, he's a little iffy when it comes to the closer spot. I mean, Arizona wasn't that great, but also he, he still had a, he posted a high URA for a closer. It was, it was in the upper force. Um, he let up a lot of home runs, uh, Citizens bank. You, we are, we know it's to bang box. Right. Like when the wind's blowing out in the summertime or it's that thick air, that ball. Right. Like we, we know what it is. We've been at games. We've seen it. So Archie Bradley, like you said, being that stopgap, being that guy who can come in and get that final out, say in a crucial big spot inning, I think that is perfect for him. You got two guys on and Wheeler gets pulled. It's Wheeler wants six and two thirds. You need that final out. Bring in Bradley because Bradley's going to give you the stuff. He's got the confidence to get it done. I would like to see him in that role, like you said, because I think that's perfect. That's that's something that we didn't have last year. When our bullpen came in to inherited base runners, you knew those guys were scoring. So you had the Blake Parkers, the JoJo Romero's, the the JB Hammer. Yeah, oh my JB God. Hammer. Fucking who's the jerk off we got? Workman that we <laughs> oh, got. Brandon <laughs> Workman, Tommy Hunter. Tommy, Tommy Hunter. Oh my sorry. God, Tommy Hunter! Please stop! I will shoot so, myself right now. Sorry, it wasn't good enough. Yeah, I wish I was better. Oh my God! Like we all wish Thank you were better, Tommy Hunter. But yeah. man, like, when they. When they traded for for Workman when he was terrible with Boston, I'm like, they're real. This is what they're solidifying their bullpen with a guy who had over six ERA, and then he came here and had an over eight. I'm like, oh man, such a Phillies move. But that, like that, that's that's that analytical. It's that analytical brain that says, like, oh well, in these scenarios, he's got this. Like the, the statistics that they would rattle off, like part of me had to like go look up what they were to actually see like, like how relevant is that? Like, can the guy go in and get a guy out? If he's That's a really pitcher, right. But like, like in that role, Rich, I think like if he can come in, like you're saying, you know, you got a starter that goes six and two thirds. He's also the guy that can come in get the last out of the sixth, you know, or the seventh and then start the next inning. Exactly. So, I mean, for this bullpen, that's huge. Yeah, it's what that's we gonna need. be. That's gonna. It's gonna be. It's exactly what they needed. It's a, it was. It was a huge win. Um, Nick, go ahead. I'll let you. I was just gonna say that that role, the stopper role, is more important than a closer most of the time. Is anyway. That's why, like you know, you watch. Uh, like if you remember when, like the uh, was it the Red Sox? Maybe one of the teams when they were really. I think it was the Red Sox when they were in the playoffs. They would bring in and or was it the Indians? The Indians. Okay, sorry, my bad. When they're really good a couple years ago, Terry Francona would put Andrew Miller in every situation, whether it's to close a game. He would need yeah. to break out. He put him in, and he says, "This is my guy. He's going to get you out. He's my savior." Like that's how you know. That's how they work these guys in. Like you, you have that guy. If if Bradley, you're like, I can put him in in the fifth inning. If I'm in a big spot here, if I'm in the ninth inning and the closers in the tough spot, I can put him in here. Like that's really important because, like you got, like you Rich said, he does have that confidence where he's like, I don't care, I want to come in here and get this motherfucker out. That's what he <laughs> right. And if you think like that, usually it works out for you because yeah. in, as a reliever, it's like being a cornerback in the NFL. You have to have a short memory because you might get rocked. Right. You might. I'm gonna challenge this motherfucker with a 95 <laughs> on our heater. He might take you deep, but next game you challenge him again. He's gonna whiff. 
Yeah. Right. So you have to be confident in your stuff and that you know how to pitch. It's it's all like like Don, you played you played college baseball. Nick, you right. you, you could have went anywhere and played college baseball if college was your thing. I probably could have played if I actually gave a fuck and wasn't deflated after high school. It is what it is. Um, I'm not bringing up the old the old memories, but I was I was good enough to play. But looking at it, it's the mentality that we all have. Like Don, you have it. Nick, you have it. I have it. It's like you said. It's short. Whatever happened, happened. But tomorrow's another day. I have to go out there. I have to perform. I have to fight. There's been games where I went over three. There's been games where Nick went over three. We right. beat ourselves up, but guess what? We got you know tomorrow's games against Haddonfield. Tomorrow's games against Audubon. Like this is a big game for us. We have to win this. What do you do? You you turn that shit off. You go out there and you're like, okay, Franson's on the mound. I don't care. Let's take him deep. Right. Like this is this this is how we're. This is your mentality. And I love the fact that we brought up Don. You brought it up a few episodes ago when we're talking about Archie Bradley and we're talking about the the resurgence of this bullpen. When he said, "Hey, we're a new fucking team. We're a new bullpen." Right. Like we are not the same shit bullpen. This is what you're going to expect, like it or not. That is something that is key. It's not cocky. It's not confident. It's changing the mindset. Right. That mental aspect of the game that you have to have. Because a lot of guys, it's you can. It's the same thing for the NFL. And we're going to talk about this. this is going to be my transition right. into the NFL. Do guys want to play? You have all these guys who come out in the draft every single year for the NFL. This guy's a stud. This guy, he's got the intangibles, man. He's 6'5", 240 pounds, runs a 4'3", throws the ball 90 yards. But he doesn't want to play football. When you're a scout, you got to look at it sometimes of some of the psycho crazy guys. Like, hey, this dude wants to play football. I would probably take the guy who wants to play over the guy who is like, eh, I'm good. I'm the best player in the SEC, but – do I really want to play football? So that, this is a segment that, to our next thing. Go ahead, Don. That, no, that, I mean, that's almost more important to find out because every guy that's coming into the NFL draft has the physical ability. They wouldn't be in that position if, yeah. they, if they weren't physically capable of handling themselves at that level. But I think like when they talk about going to you know, the pro days and doing the interviews and doing all that shit, I think – that's more important to find out. Like, where is this guy's heart? What, where does he think about, like, when he's on the field, where's his mind? Like, where is he think? Is he thinking about the next play? Is he thinking about what I'm going to do later? Is he thinking about, like, that to me is more important for you to find out in this whole draft process or free agent process or whenever you're in the position to acquire players finding out where their heart is and where their desire is that tells you more than, than you need to know. Um, I was listening to an interview with um, Chris Jenkins from Volnova. Okay. And just to talk about that desire piece real quick. So like they were, uh, when they were interviewing them, they're asking them about, you know, Villanova and were, were there times where you were, uh, they they were talking about the game going into the Baylor game and like, are you worried about the Baylor game? Are you worried about the? And he said, I, I'm not. I'm not. They they got to beat us. Like I'm not worried about them. They got to beat us. So like in my mind, I'm thinking, well, that's a guy I want on my squad. I want a guy like that who's thinking like that. That says like, I don't I don't, I don't care who. Like 
I don't care if Baylor's only lost one game all year. I, like, I, I'm a Villanova. Like, you got to play me. You got to beat me. Yeah, I'm um, good, too. I'm good, too. We're good. Exactly. We're, we're, we're all good. And and I think, you know, that mindset, you know, that, that to me is something you got to find out. Because if you don't, you're going to end up with dudes like Danny Watkins and Sean Andrews and, you know, Andre that, Dillard. That, that, Andre Dillard that, I mean, that list – it's it's a big list. And and that that list is unfortunately long. And that's this, the problem. Especially for this franchise. So what we're looking at and we're transitioning into is what I want to ask both of you guys. So the trade happened after we were all talking. I Nick, not not Don, but me, Nick, and our one group chat was going off. And it's like, yeah, Niners just traded, man. They're going for a quarterback. And then it's all of a sudden, not even two months later, Eagles trade the number six pick. And it's like, wait. What? <laughs> what? Eagles <laughs> win the trade because I'm going to look at it as I have to compose myself because it makes me very angry. I see people who tweet and who write on Facebook and do all this stuff. Well, if it was another organization, it would be a win. You're damn right it would be a win. You know why? But, they don't have an incompetent fucking general manager who cannot draft 37 draft picks, one pro bowler, one. three drafts, the 2017, the 19, I think the 16. We have no remaining picks on our squad. You want me to be happy that this jerk-off has an overabundance of first-round picks that he is going to trade probably up for a quarterback because Jalen Hurts might not be the guy. No, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. You take the proven or you trade that number six for a player like Roquan Smith. I'm all about that. Your first-round pick is Roquan Smith. I'm cool with that. Either trade it for a proven, do not trade back, do not acquire multiple uh, assets when you're the jerk-off who's trading, but you get rid of the guy who built the Browns and built the Chiefs. Right. Nick. Hey, Rich, what, what did I what did I, t- I texted you? The, the, the Dolphins, like the Dolphins GM is killing it. Oh, he's like he, t- he flipped He flipped Tunsil for what ended four up being four first-round picks. Four, four first and four a third. And a third. And a third. Like – and like that's the dude. Like when you say who won that that whole exchange, Miami did. Miami did, because Miami is still going to kill it and get a dude. They're probably going to take like either Chase or Sewell, who whoever the hell they want, because in all likelihood, and by the time they pick, there's going to be like there could be four quarterbacks picked. Yeah, like you could have your literally, yeah. and, and and Miami is not drafting a quarterback, so. No. They're going to they're going to get their choice of whatever skill player they want to add. Like to me, like Rich, you're like you're. I I I get where you are because I'm in the same spot. I'm like okay, so from a logical point in a team that's rebuilding, it makes sense to move back and acquire assets. And you're gonna you're with the amount of quarterbacks that are going to go in that in that top area. If you have a list of six or seven guys that you're cool with. You know, Parsons, Horn, Waddle, Smith, like Sewell, you know, Chase, Pitts, like any, like you got eight guys and you say, all right, well, I know four quarterbacks are going to like Jacksonville, the Jets, the Niners, Niners, Niners. maybe, maybe the Falcons. 
So maybe the top four picks could all possibly be quarterbacks. So if you're okay with getting a, one of those group of guys because you have so many needs, I'm okay with it. Yeah. But like, I also don't know if like you say at 12, you're like, uh, we really like the tackle from, you know, Northwestern. Hmm. There's a guy who's projected in the late, in the late teens and twenties. Yeah. Who, you know, I, I just, the, the, like, listen, I teach science. The evidence is the evidence ain't there to say it's a good chance. And and the thing that I heard somebody say was that like the chance that you miss at six is like this. And the chance that you miss at 12. The chance that you miss at 12 is like a yardstick. So like I just I just don't trust the organization to make the right pick. You can have all the assets you want. You got you got four picks in the top 100 this year. Yeah. You got to hit on three of them. Three of those guys got to make impacts next year. Nick, what do you got? So we're all in the same boat. I think the thing is, as you said, the, the chance of missing like this at six is like this. For a normalization, it's still a little bit higher with the Eagles because of Howie and Lori being meddlers and not really understanding football talent. They don't have the eyes for that. So at 12, it goes from this to – infinite because the last number 12 pick they had was actually a good pick, right? That's Fletcher Cox. Yes. Which is one of what that's might be how he's only really good pick he's made. Right. I mean, the Wentz thing aside from that at the time, everybody loved it. It's a great pick, but like you said, Rich, the drafts themselves, 37 draft picks, one pro bowler, that pro bowler being Fletcher Cox in 2013. Right. So you have to go all the way back there to find your years you have to go all the way back there to find that guy. So at six, now even the Falcons, they're at four right now, but what, who's to say Carolina doesn't move to four or Denver move up to four to try and get Trey Lance or Justin Fields, one of the other ones, right? So then you're literally like, okay, we're, we have the second pick now because you don't need a quarterback, you don't think, right? Essentially. So the Bengals aren't taking a quarterback, so the Bengals are going to either take Sewell or Chase. And right. then if I'm the Eagles, if I if they take Chase, I'll take Sewell. I'm okay with that. A starting left tackle, day one oh, for me. Absolutely. And, every, and every, everything that I've heard, he's like. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. The complete opposite of Andre Dillard. No, he's a dog. Like, he's like, a dog. Like, like, like a mean street. Like, I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. So, like, you want to draft a lineman that's like the mindset of Quentin Nelson on the Colts, right? Who literally doesn't know anything, but you talk to him and right. he's like, yeah. no, I'm going to pancake you. I'm going to beat your ass. Like, he just wants to play football and fuck you up. Quentin Nelson's a stud. So, that's what you want. So, the, 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 the winning the trade thing, I think it goes out the window with anything the Eagles do until they, they have to literally show us the proof. Because even if the, anybody can say, oh, it's a good deal because of this, good deal because of that, 
Nothing is a good deal that the Eagles do because they don't have the track record to back up what they do, right? And they lie. Right. They lie about their intentions, their their what they want to do, all the stuff, right? They do that all the time. They misconstrue and they mislead. That's what they do. They're very non-transparent. So the Dolphins, like the Dolphins have the type of the type of situation you want because they already have a ton of young talent on the roster and they're just going to add more and more to it, right? Yeah, they have all these young players on defense and offense. The young quarterback, they're going to add right Jamar Chase now, or Devontae Smith, or Kyle Pitts. That's another weapon for them. They're deep. They're they're just going to get better. They're in a tough division too, right? So they have to get better. They added Will Fuller. Exactly. Yeah. So they added Will Fuller. One year deal, prove a deal, but that's fine. Like who's to say he doesn't resign there, right? He'll, it could. he'll play seven games and he'll make. You'll it know. Better. You'll know his medical once he's there for you. If you like him, you like him. It's fine. Right. Um. I just think that the Eagles track record, like you guys were saying, they don't they don't give us enough to for us to feel comfortable or confident in their decision making. Like if I knew like like you said, Rashawn Slater, right? You said that, Don, but Rashawn yeah. Slater, right? If you pick him at 12, but like you're the G you're you're Chris Boward on the Colts, you make good picks. I know you know football. If you're saying no, this is the guy we want at 12, then I'm gonna say, you know what? I trust this guy. Look at the players we have because right. of him. So if this is the guy he likes, I'm okay with that. But, like, how he's saying that he likes him at 12, that doesn't mean anything to me. No. Because I feel like all three of us right now could do the same thing or better than he does at draft day without even reading the medicals or looking at people's fucking stat sheets or watching tape of them. I feel like I can do that just like he does. Yeah, I feel like, like I would probably I like he be doesn't, in that position. Oh, yeah, you could play – you know, you can watch a weekend of college football, play some Madden, and be like, okay, these are the holes on my roster. This is what right. I need. Like, I just don't know where his mindset is with – no, I like this. I really do think the the story of him trying to be the smartest in the room does play into it. But but why would you try and do that? Like, what do you like? What's the point of that? Well, if you're the, the smartest guy, person, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. I always say that. Right? Right. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I'm trying to learn something. From everybody I talk to. So yeah. why are you gonna try? Like, you have these scouts that you pay a lot of money to. You they. They work all year round scouting these players and telling you, hey, this is the guy we like here. This is why. This is our player comp. This is his medical. This is blah, blah, blah. This is the system he'd fit in, all this. And then you're going to look at a guy like Jalen Rager and say, he looks like Tyreek Hill. I want him. No. Now, when did he ever look like Tyreek Hill? Never. And that, that was what I was just going to say. Like, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Lurie, Jeffrey Lurie watches the Chiefs game in the Super Bowl and says, I want a guy like Tyreek Hill. Yeah, they don't grow on trees, bro. They don't. Right, he's he's, like he's, stupid, he's literally stupid. God, he's, no. a tra- he's a track star that knows how to run routes. It doesn't happen. Right, and what you just brought up is what I was going to say. Is like the same guys that are making this pick at twelve are the same guys that looked at Jefferson in one hand, who was coming off a, a career year in the SEC, in the SEC on a on a team that wins the national championship. With Joe, you know, he's out there balling out with Joe Burrow. And then you look at Jalen Rager, who played with a true a, freshman quarterback. Who true was the, freshman. Who had an accuracy of 13%. Right. So you looked at those two guys and you picked Rager. Yeah. Now, listen, nothing against Rager. I don't think he's a bad dude, but like, not his fault. Me, not his fault. It's not his he fault got, he got picked there. He got he got overdrafted there, just like Hertz got overdrafted in the second round. And but Davion like, Taylor, Mister Seven Day of Venice, who never played a game at night and never right. forced a turnover, gets drafted in the third round solely off the of speed. Dude snakes. Right, 
And like, if you look at the guy, so the guys that got picked in last year's draft, Jefferson, Claypool, T. Higgins, C.D. Lamb, Ayuk, Jerry Judy, uh, LaVisca Chenault, Pittman, Gabriel Davis. Rugs. Forgot. Rugs. Rugs. Fastest broken guy. But like, you had your choice of almost all those guys, except for, for Lamb and and Rubs. He had more touchdowns than Rager and this year. Like you, you could have picked you, honestly, if you wanted to, if you wanted Rager, you could have picked him at you know at the at the Hertz pick. Second you could have picked him in the second round. You could have also picked the, the kid who uh, you know plays safety for the Panthers. Oh, Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Chin. The issue that I have is not one person came out and said that Jalen Rager was on their board as a first-round pick. No one. They well, all said no. second round. Well, why Why do you have him as a first-round pick? That's what I don't understand. Because they're morons, no. Nick. We know no. this. I know that, but I'm <laughs> saying like, there, there must right. be no – like there's got to be no mirrors in that building. Like in Jeffrey, Jeffrey Lurie's – like when he goes to the bathroom in his office, he doesn't have a mirror because you can't look yourself in the mirror – Wash your hands and go. I'm doing a great job with this team. I'm building this team the right way. You're not. There's no way you can do that. So and let me. I need to interject because I get a lot of shit. I still get a lot of shit when I say the Eagles are five years away from building a team, and people go, "No, NFL is a quick turnaround." Okay, whatever. So we push our money. We did our restructures. We're going to look at fifty million instead of seventy for next year. That's fine. That's if they sign the right people. You have an overabundance of draft picks. We have 11 draft picks. We need to hit on eight. Eight out of 11 we need to hit, and seven of them have to be starters this year because our defense is that porous. Right. Why I say these things is when I look at the roster and people, like, give me shit, and they're like, oh, well, fucking not every team has good backups. Understood. But our backups wouldn't be playing on half these NFL teams. Correct. So when we look at this, we have Herbert, Driscoll, and Dillard, three competent backups. Offensive line. Wide receivers outside of Rager and Travis Fulgham? No, I don't see anybody. Outside of Dallas Goddard, who's our backup? No one. Um, quarterback? No one. Cornerbacks? Darius Slay? No one. Safeties? No one. Linebackers don't even have starters. Um, defensive line? No one. Tell me how. You can build a team when you have zero people who can fill in. And people give me shit because they're like, oh, Rich, well, not every team has backups that can come in and be in, in, uh, impact players. I get that. Not every team is stacked and go, hey, next man up, next man up. But We're not we talking about backups, though. Yeah, that's what We're I'm about. About the guys who are on the field. And that's my beef. The guys on the field wouldn't even be starting for half these teams. Especially linebackers. But then you dip into our backups. If one of our offensive linemen goes down, I feel confident with Driscoll coming in and playing swing guard, center, tackle, whatever. Dillard, maybe not. I don't think so. Herbrig, we'll we'll see. But who's going to step in if Darius Slay gets hurt? Who's going to step in if Fletcher Cox gets hurt? Who's going to step in and try to – no one. So when people say, oh, it's going to be a quick turnaround for the Eagles, it's not that bad. Our roster, if you look at it, is absolute dog shit. So when people try to like sell me a shit sandwich and I say, no, this is a shit sandwich, and I'm not biting it, like I'm sorry. It's not being negative. It's just the fact that you don't have starters or backups or competent backups at that. 
Like I get the whole, hey, this guy's not great, but he's 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 smart, he's intellectual, he he's been around the game for forever. No, we got a guy who was like selling tires at Thriftway as as our as our number two corner, and nothing against him. Like I said, not it's not. I have nothing against the players because they're getting paid, bro. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't blame them at all. Like the, but am me, I like, wrong? That's my no, whole thing. Am I wrong? Uh, looking at this way because I feel like no. I'm a piece of shit. No, I think like listen, like when you look look at their their most recent transactions and how they announced them have been like laughable. Like when you say like, oh, we're gonna run it back with Hassan Ridgeway. Like. We're bring, like we're we, we got we just re-signed today Boston Scott bringing it we back just, we, like we just ran it back with Boston Scott and Boston like, Scott goes unfinished business <laughs> what yeah, <laughs> like like never started like how about never started the business yeah like, it's 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 crazy to think to me that like I don't know what their mindset is I don't know where they are in terms of like what they see in a guy. Like, what do you see that we don't like? How do me, Joe Schmo, sitting in my extra master bedroom, like, how do I watch some? Like, I watch college football on Saturday. I watch NFL football on Sunday. How do I? How can I put that together where I can be like, oh, really? That's the guy you picked? Like, did you like? To me, I watched. Look at. I looked at the. I went back and watched the the national championship game with Devontae Smith. And it like I'm watching it, and I'm going. I feel like I'm watching Justin the game from the the national championship from the year before when I'm watching yeah. Justin Jefferson, and he's running all over the field, and he's running past guys, and nobody can stay within ten yards of him. And I'm thinking, all right, well, is the same shit going to happen that happened where they're going to look at Jefferson, or they're going to look like they like they look at Smith, and they're they're going to be like, oh well, maybe we can get him some other time, or we can find another guy. We're gonna, There's a guy we're just like him that plays in the middle of Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> like Nick, like you ain't wrong. Like, like I just, I don't for the life of me, I can't figure out what, what is the mindset? Like, what is driving you to say this guy? Tell this me. Is a, this is a thing, right? So when you look at these teams, Rich, the five year away thing, I'm on board with that because even though they say the NFL is a quick turnaround, right? First of all, you need to have a quarterback. You need to hit on the quarterback. What? Right. But then also this roster, it's not like they're just really young and they don't have it and they just need to grow. They're, just they're, old, they're old and expensive and they're injury right. prone, right? Yep. So like and Darius Slay has looked at as one of the younger guys. He's our age. He's 32, bro. Like right. he's not a young kid anymore. Yeah. So, like you, you're who's who, like I heard uh, they talked about it on the radio the one day a couple weeks ago. They were like, who on the roster under the age of 30? Are you like, all right, this is an impact player for us. Who do they have? Like people are like, oh, well, Miles Sanders. No, Miles Sanders is okay, but he, he's not an elite running back. He's okay. If you have a really good team and he's your starter, you're fine. But you yeah, don't have right. a really good team. You know what I mean? Because you see, like, look at like when Saquon was elite on the Giants. They still stunk. <laughs> yeah, they don't win games. You're not going to win games for your running back position. Exactly. Like it's you're still going to stink. So, who under the age of thirty do they have that you're like? I like this guy. I like this kid. None that are impacted. One, I can think of one, and they didn't even let him play, and that's Jordan Mailata, just because. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's, yeah, so, yeah, he's yeah. so raw that he reminds me of like a football version of Joel Embiid, where he could just be because he's a freak, and you're like, this dude's an absolute right. like he's 
He's physically a freak. He's strong. He's he's kind of nasty too when he plays. I like that. Like I remember watching his rugby tape. I'm like, this dude's an absolute savage, dude. <laughs> when, when, I mean, when you look at the the progress that he's made in the last exactly you know, and, like over seasons. I mean, he's literally only played football for three years. Yes. So then, why do you? Why at the end of the year do you stop letting him play and you put out Jason Peters? Because Jason Peters is getting paid more. That's it. Right. Let Alshon Jeffrey that, play over that literally, that, literally is, that literally is the reason, and that reason is so flawed that that's the problem with the organization. Like, if you're running, if I'm the coach, like I get it. All the coaches were puppets in that system, but if you're the coach and you have some balls. And he goes, I want you to play Jason Peters. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you right now. Jason Peters sucks. I'm not playing him right now. You're trying to get our quarterback hurt. You're trying to hurt our chances to win this game. Whether you want me to lose or not, I'm, I'm coaching for my job. I'm not fucking playing him. Yeah. But the coaches are all soft, and they don't – they fold. That's why Doug just decided – they said they fired him. He probably was just like, I'm not fucking dealing with this no more. I don't blame him. I Adam. I wouldn't I – would move on from that organization. Yeah. Like, we're yeah. moving on from this topic because – Yeah, please. It, bo- it fucking bothers me. Like, this people's <laughs> organization fucking bothers me. Like, if I had an ulcer, it would be from them because they're so fucking bothersome. So moving on to the next topic. Articulitis again. Articulitis, I'll be so mad. Rich, I want to say one thing real quick. Yeah, I'll take Did you see all. the picture of Carson, Carson Wentz on his, on his tractor about to plow his field? I the saw dude, that I, the boxing I, video. I'm like, what is this he, doing? He, he looks corny. But he's so corny, but he looks like he's a dude who just got out of like the most toxic relationship. He just got out of prison. What he look like? He's he like, just I just I just got out of the most toxic relationship. He's like, I'm gonna go plow a field and be happy as shit. Dude, he just if, if I was ever that happy, it's just like, yo, I'm free. I'm gonna go plow a field. And <laughs> fucking shoot me. Because that means whatever happened before that was really bad. Right. Moving on to the, moving on to the next subject. Did the Sixers do enough? Trade deadline passed. They acquired George Hill. I'm not happy they traded Tony Bradley because it really thins out our center position. But George Hill, competent guard. I like him coming off the bench. I'm completely fine with it. I didn't expect them to trade for a 35-year-old Kyle Lowry who's on his last year, who wants an extension, who's going to be $25 to $40 million. I'm good. That's the reason why, like, they don't make that move because they know what, like, that. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That puts them all in, but it also, like... Like the, the financial obligation that you've got to make for the next two years. And I don't think he moves the needle that no. much. Um, Kyle Lowry does anything for the Sixers. No. What, what's the the you move Ben off the ball and you give it the ball to Kyle. No, who cares? No. Like Kyle Lowry. No offense, but, Kyle Lowry. No. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bringing you on the team. To speak, like, to speak to like the Tony Bradley piece, short term, yes. Does it, does it thin them out? Does it force them to use Mike Scott? As the center, Please, yes, yeah, stop doing Please. it. Right, but so bad. If you think about like their playoff rotation, Tony Bradley was never going to see the court. 
all things equal, yeah. their, their rotation right. is like the guys coming off the bench are going to be Hill. It's going to be Howard. It's going to be Shake Milton. Like it's going to be Thibault. And Shake needs to start improving more too because he's another one who's Jesus Christ with some of these passes. Like, dude, you're not Magic Johnson. Stop. No. Stop with these stupid no look passes in the third row. It's, it's getting I, it's getting sickening watching Shake play. I, I like the addition of George Hill. I like that. I like what it does for their bench because it kind of resets the bench in in a way where he's a guy that you can trust to run the offense coming off the bench. Yeah. And allow Shake Milton to be a guy who can kind of hang out at the three point line. And it as much as my kids love to run around the living room talking about Furcon Corkmoss because they just like the way that it sounds. I, I also don't need to see him in a playoff series. I just got weird deja vu from that. Everything you just said there, Don, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I don't know why, but I feel like I've been in this situation. <laughs> we've, we've talked about this before. As soon as you said Furkan Korkmaz, I was like, fuck, this was either in a dream of mine and I had no idea who I was talking about <laughs> or I actually thought this, this happened before. Nick, jerky, baby. I, I know that you have a lot to say. Uh-huh. I'm going to give you your, your three minutes to, to go off. All right. So did the Sixers do enough? I think they did what they could have, right? Because like you said, Lowry, now going all in is great. You want them to go all in with the window they have, but spending that much money on him limits the amount of attraction you are able to, to portray to other free agents come this, you know, come next season, next buyout season, all that stuff. Right. Um, I still think that they're, they're still probably the best team in the East. If Joel is healthy, I don't think that they're, you know, the Nets are going to struggle with the Sixers. I'm actually more worried about the Miami Heat than I am the Nets just because um, because of Jimmy Butler. You know how he plays in big games, and they're well, they're very well coached with a championship-winning coach. They added Oladipo and some pieces. Um, I think the Nets are going to kind of kind of self-destruct, right? They have a lot of guys that like the ball. They they. You know, LaMarcus Aldridge, whatever, he's washed. Blake Griffin, whatever, he's washed compared to how they used to be. Now, would I have won them on the Sixers? Sure. Would I rather see him play than Furkan Korkmaz? Yeah, I would, right. but it is what it is. Um, so my issue with the buyout thing, I just think it's a bunch of crap, honestly. Because it's basically you. you're telling these teams, you're telling these teams, okay, at the trade deadline, because um, there's probably a lot of bullshit handshake deals that happen, I'm, I would imagine, right? right? So you, you don't get what you want for this guy, and you're like, well, we don't know if we're going to trade you. Then you buy them out. You agree to a buyout. Then the other team, even if they're in salary cap hell, didn't make any moves at the deadline, and then they're just going to go and sign you because you think you're going to win a ring. So they don't have to worry about the salary cap. It's like it doesn't exist. Right. You're going to go, and you're going to just play. I think the buyout period should be before the trade deadline. Agreed. Or they should be at the, the same time against you cap. Make a decision and then the salary it, it should have more salary cap implications agreed you, you, what's the point of having a salary cap if you know you're talking about teams like Oklahoma City and Indiana and these smaller market cities that are supposed to have a fighting chance with these teams right because they don't have the big markets that's why you have the salary cap like baseball it's like the big market teams always have more buying power i get it right yeah. so basketball it's all supposed to be 11 playing field so then how do like you're basically giving the players all the fucking power because right. they can say, you know, like you don't think like Blake Griffin could have went and he could have played 
he could have came this. I don't know why he didn't want to come to the Sixers. He would have played a lot more meaningful minutes, I'm sure, and he would have got he would have had better yeah. numbers. Same with Lamarcus Soldiers, but they're just ring chasing at this point. You know, Andre Drummond did the same thing. He goes to the Lakers. At least Andre Drummond will play on the Lakers because Anthony Davis might be done, right? So it's like right. I get that for him. But you're Isn't gonna hurt. Literally, it's just a bullshit excuse to get these guys, to get these players, whatever they want again. Like the NBA just bends over to their players and lets the players do whatever the fuck they want. Now, unless you're the Sixers, unless you're the Sixers, because then they change the fucking rules and they bring in Colangelo, who destroys your team. Correct. So they did they, bullshit. Just like I always say, Sam Hinkie died for our sins, okay? He did. He did. We, they can say whatever they want. He's been blackballed from the league. Why do you think he hasn't, he hasn't been able to be on another team? I still think Darren Moore should find a way to hire him back. That'd be really great. That's his boy. That would be great, right? But the whole buyout—it's just—it's just bullshit, right? It should either be, and then like, okay, another bullshit reason, right? So we traded Horford to the to the Thunder. Great, thank you for taking this contract. Now you should the last twenty-eight games. So they suck, and they want to be—they want to have the first pick. So instead of buying him out and letting him, first of all, like. I don't care. Let him let him leave. Go do what he wants to do. But you're just going to tell him we're not going to play him for the rest of the season because we're trying to we're trying like to give our young players some time. I know this fucking reason is the reason is because you're trying to get the number one pick in the fucking draft. Right. What's my the the prophetic thing is who's who's the guy that ends up replacing Al Horford? Tony Bradley. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, Tony, Tony Bradley is the guy who ends up replacing Al Horford. On in Oklahoma City, it's just, I mean, Nick, you're like you're you're a hundred percent on on top of this. Like this is insane that you have this. I mean, the 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 overreaction to the guys in the buyout market. Would I have loved to have break? Would would I have minded if Blake Griffin was coming off the bench? Yeah. Would I have liked if Aldridge is coming off the bench? Yeah. But I also have to be realistic, and these are not the guys that. It's not 2015. This is not Blake Griffin in Lob City. This is not, not Lamarcus. Yeah, it's not Lamarcus Aldridge. Like, go back and look at some highlights of the Spurs, like the Sixers Spurs games, and watch Embiid just like torch, torch in. That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm not worried about them. Like they they, no. can't, they still can't guard Embiid, right? Yeah. So it's just it's just the way. That's why. Personally, you know, I've told Rich before, I think the NBA has gotten terribly worse as a league because even though some of the players are better, the way that they run their league is just shit now. And the players are soft. They play in a defense. I'll watch a game and half the fucking game you look and there's a player screaming and crying to a fucking referee about some bullshit all the time. Stop it. All right, stop it. You're a grown-ass man. If you get hit in the lane, it happens. Deal with it. It's life. It's your sport. You get paid millions of dollars. Shut the fuck up and play ball. That's it. I don't. I don't understand. They're all very soft. You know, if we go, we go and complain to people that are judging our work all day long, we won't have jobs. Yeah. It's just crazy. Let the refs ref you play. It is what it is. Yeah. The refs aren't out there to try and make you look bad, bro. They're not like, they don't care. Unless and I also don't want to see, and I also don't want to see a whistle every 10 seconds. Cause they're going to be five hours long. But then that's what rich, you know what I'm saying? They have the refs have personalities too. Right. So if you go and there's a player talking shit to you the whole time, you're going to say, no, fuck this dude. He's really annoying me today. Right. Well, look, 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 what, look what happened. Like, I would never do that. You fucking would. Okay. Yeah. Look at the, what happened to the guy who was in the, the NHL referee who yeah. got caught on a hot mic saying, I'm going to, I got to get these guys on a makeup call. Stupid. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it just goes to show you, like, they're human. It's going to happen. 
So don't say it (laughs) before you speak. That's the problem. Gentlemen, it has been a fantastic episode. We are going to go with, let me, uh, let me create this real quick. Let me, let me just throw this up there. Let's make it a little uh, official because I I love using these, uh, these banners. So we're just going to throw it up there. (laughs) Final thoughts, Nick, (laughs) two minutes. What do you got? I mean, it's baseball season. Got some reason to be happy. I think the Phillies are being vastly um, underrated, which I think is good. It should help their mindset. Um, I think it's better if people don't expect them to be a good team at this point. I think there's a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, obviously, they can't be worse than they were last year pitching-wise, so that's a, that's a step up. It's a good division. That's why I think that there's the argument that the Braves or the Mets are going to win 90, 97 games is just ridiculous because this division is so good. I don't think that's possible. I think literally there could be like there could be three or four teams that win 86, 87 games just because they're going to be beaten. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of in division fighting. You know what I mean? Which hurts because there's two wild card spots, right? So you have to figure the Padres or Dodgers are going to get one. Um, pr- probably two teams in the NL East would get it if it's based on best teams, but they beat up on each other. That gives the Phillies a chance because I know we can right. hit. And I know that if it comes down to we need one, I trust. Nola in a big spot against other teams, aces too. So it's like, you know, Joe Girardi's been there before. I trust our man. Our bullpen's better, so I'm confident in the team. I'll just leave it at that, right? We've got a W. We'll let, end it on a positive note that we're going to get. We're going to win the series. I'm going to opening night on April 5th. We're going to win that night against the Mets. We're going to win that night against the Mets, and then that's it. Fuck the Mets. Fuck the Braves. <laughs> We got a mental block against the Marlins for some reason. We should smoke them every time. Don, final so, so my So my final thought for tonight is that the NFL, for all they want to preach about player safety and all they want to talk, for them to sit there and add and like the, the, the 17th game and add the extra game, I think – all that money that they got with the streaming service and, the, and the, they're, they're signing the deals with Amazon and they're, they're putting games on, on Yahoo and they're like, they're doing all that shit. And then they want to preach about player safety and they want to put all these things in put like, just like, like we've been talking all night, like, just be honest. Like, say it's a money grab. Say I don't care about my players. Say there's so much revenue to be had. We're going to do it. If if you had told me we're going to add a 17th game, but we're also going to add a second bye week, I'm okay with that. Because now you're evening out the week. You've got 18 weeks. You've got two buys. That that falls in line with player safety. That falls in line with all the other, like with with the with all the other things that they're trying to do, but you didn't. It's a money grab, and pretty soon there's going to be two preseason games, and there's going to be eighteen games. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to become this water, like because how long? Like the you can't you can't play this odd number of games where I know that they're alternating. Like this year, the AFC is getting the home game. Next year, the NFC is getting the home game. Yeah. At some point, it's going to become. Someone's going to cry competitive advantage. They're going to say, well, they had more home games than we did. At some point, it's going to expand to 18 games. And I just feel like it's so hypocritical of the NFL for them to be able to say, oh, well, they want to talk about all this player safety stuff, but then they're just adding more games. Because let's be honest, 
yes, you're taking away a preseason game, but you're also like those same guys that are playing in that 17th game that they're adding to the schedule aren't the same guys that are playing in that fourth preseason game. No, they're not. They're not. It's just, it, it, to me, it's, it, I, I just, I can't stand the hypocritical stuff that the NFL stuff put, that, that they put out. That's all I got. <laughs> well, we're, I got nothing else. we're not billionaires. So I'm excited about baseball. I'm excited for baseball. My final thoughts, Jamie, I love you. Happy seven years. Uh, time has flown by. I love you so much. You're a great mother to Oliver. You're just the best, babe. I love you. That's I'm going to you for seven years. Must be sent from God. Seven years of life. dealing with my Jesus Christ. I can't fucking believe she's doing it. God, You can't even deal with yourself most of the time. No, most of the thought I have to get lost in my own thoughts because I just can't oh, deal damn. with myself. <laughs> my real final uh, thought, Phillies look good. Eagles, we need to get some shit. But just looking at it, you're not going to beat the Sixers. My final thought is, Sixers in six, whoever they play in the East, I don't see anybody beating a healthy Joel Embiid. That roster is – I'm glad they didn't do too much. I love the addition of George Hill, but I'm glad they didn't give up other pieces. Whether it be Maxi or Theibel, okay, maybe they won't get that many minutes in the playoffs. But next Probably. year don't, but next year, there's going to be a role for these guys. They're going to get better. Doc is going to get the best out of his players. I'm happy they got George Hill. Because he's just a one-year addition, and that's fine. But I'm glad that they didn't go out and do what the Nets did because they don't need to be all in. They have a good roster. They have a good squad. They have great chemistry. For once, they have great chemistry with all these guys. Daryl Morey did the right thing and say, hey, I'm going to bring in a piece that's not going to affect these guys. It's going to help them. It's not going to be a locker room menace. It's going to be a guy who's been on my radar. This is who I'm bringing on this team. I'm not going to bring on a cancer. I'm not going to bring on a guy who quits on my team, who quits on two teams, a.k.a. LaMarcus Aldridge, a.k.a. Blake Griffin, a.k.a. Kevin Durant, a.k.a. Kyle fucking uh, or Kyrie Irving. I don't want those bums. They're all quitters. They can't lead their own team in the playoffs. If you think that these guys all together can win a title, get the fuck out of here. You don't have the testicular fortitude to do it. The Nets are a bunch of bitches, and I'm stating that as a fact because it fucking pisses me off that you have to load up on all these has-beens, never would-bes, to try to win. Kevin Durant, you're not LeBron. Give it up. You stink. You're a mush. You can't win without Steph Curry. Philly, too good. I'm done. <laughs> Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com.